Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Every month, we discuss the area's top restaurant openings with our friends at Sauce Magazine. But this month, we're doing something a bit different. We're taking a look back at some of the saddest closings. Here to discuss this very sad topic is Catherine Claney. She's the managing editor at Sauce Magazine. Catherine, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by Mira Nagarajan, the artistic director at Sauce Magazine. Mira, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So Catherine and Mira, last Last month, when we were discussing Sauce Magazine's 20th anniversary, Mira, you were actually there for this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, We were joined by acclaimed St. Louis chef Bill Cardwell, and we asked him for his thoughts on the St. Louis restaurant scene right now, and he had what I thought was, was a very interesting answer. Let's listen to that exchange. Let's talk briefly about the state of the St. Louis restaurant scene today. Bill, what are your thoughts? Where do you see things going in the coming years based on this moment that we're in right now? Oh, boy, that's a tough question. Um... You know, is there room for everybody? Yeah, there <laughs> are like a everything. lot of it's, restaurants opening um, every I month. I think that you know, um, you know, it's just it's not just easy. Um, oh, I'm going to open a restaurant. I mean, and I've so many young people have worked for me that have moved on and been successful. Some have had not success, not because they weren't talented, but just whatever the economics of it, or location, or partnerships, or there's lots of different reasons. Um, so I the the future is I think it'll continue to grow. I mean there are people all the time that want to put restaurants in. I mean I'm approached multiple times a week since uh, I closed Plaza Frontenac. That answer is there room for everybody. Mm-hmm. That part of it, it's interesting because talking to people in the restaurant business in St. Louis, I do hear some concern that we're in some sort of restaurant bubble, and that now that food has become, as we talked about, this evolution over the last 20 years, everyone in St. Louis now considers themselves a quote-unquote foodie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, I should open a restaurant. And maybe more places have opened than the market can sustain even. Is that something that either of you hear as, as you're out there covering the scene, that, that people are concerned there's just too many re- new restaurants? I think some chefs have mentioned that, where they, you know, they say that the competition for um, a certain select dining base is is more fierce than ever. I mean, Publico, when they closed, said that, like, you know, there's a lot of restaurants out here and the scene is changing constantly. And um, I think some people are responding to that by changing the location that they're selecting. More and more people are going west. I've noticed, like, you know, Nudo House and, you know, places like that are venturing out to, like, Creve Core and Kirkwood and stuff like that. And I think that's part of you know, adapting to a, a concentrated Yeah, I mean, city. Look, look at the growth in Webster Groves in the last few years. It's it's really exploded with with new and unique independent restaurant concepts. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a really good point, Mira, that people are really kind of not just looking at downtown and Central West End and Clayton and, and these sort of really, really saturated areas. They are trying to branch out into, into other areas to kind of make their mark. And it's interesting, when I meet friends for dinner in the county, um, it seems like no matter what place we're going to on a Saturday night, there's like an hour and a half wait, Absolutely. which we don't see in the city. So maybe that's the untapped market. There's still room for more out there. It's definitely, I mean, there's, it's definitely possible. Like I know, like Mira said, Creve Core, I feel like I've we've posted a bunch of scoops this year about 
new locations opening in Creve Corps, new concepts opening in Creve Corps, um, Kirkwood, Webster, uh, even up toward the St. Charles area. We're seeing a lot of that. And I think restaurateurs are starting to respond to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, we polled our listeners on which places they missed the most. And we got a huge response to this. People really missed some places that have closed. I'm just going to read a few highlights. Uh, Diana said Copperman's, Duff's, Zoe's Pan-Asian Cafe. That's going way back, but certainly was very popular. Memphis Expat said, if we're talking not so recent, Stalina. Mm-hmm. If recently, Remy's. Um, James said something that's very near and dear to my heart, Tareen. I'm I still so Tureen. sad about Tareen. Um, DTSJR said, again, Remy's. Mm-hmm. Um, Milagro, that's a sad one. Uh, Riddles, which I'm not familiar with. Riddles. Oh, Riddles. Riddles. Oh, yeah. maybe he misspelled it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Cardwell's, uh, yeah, which Bill Cardwell is a much-loved chef. Jen wrote, Grove East Provisions. I miss the chicken noodle soup, the club sandwich, mm-hmm. and the brunch. Aww. That's a very sad one. And Amy said, Reed's American Table in Maplewood. Yeah. Now, I know that is on your list of some of the places this year that, that Sauce feels very sad about. Tell us what happened with Reed's. I don't exactly know the precise reason for closing, but I, th- I mean, I think a lot of restaurants were opening up in that area. You t- look at Elmwood, Benevolent King, uh, what was that, Thai Table across mm-hmm. the street. And again, it's like Maplewood was, it's such a popular area now. And so many restaurants opened up within a short span of time. And it's that competition thing, I think has something to do with it, I'm sure. And also they had this like, dream team of like people and I don't know what the economics of that is like when you have an executive pastry chef a a sommelier a really amazing head chef coffee expert like there's just that's a lot of salaries they're just pulling out all the stops and every like clicking on every level so I don't I don't know what how that affected it it's it's tricky because a lot of these places you know some of them are very transparent and are very open about why we're closing and whether it's an economic reason or the lease is up or their heart's not in it or whatever but other times people don't really give a stated reason whether on social media or they decline to comment when we call or or something like that and so it's 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 tricky because you never want to speculate on what you don't you don't know the inner workings of of a business like that. Um, you never want to speculate. Um, and, and But Reed's did have when you, like it had a four plus years, which when you think about the lifespan of a lot of restaurants. It's actually pretty that's good. That's actually pretty good. Especially fine dining. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially fine dining and with, with a wine program like that and a menu like that. Um, it definitely had a, had a longer run than than some restaurants, than, than a lot of startup restaurants. So let's talk also about Publico. You'd mentioned that earlier as one of these really acclaimed restaurants. Um, people loved this. Mm-hmm. And yet they had a run that I think was was shorter than Reed's. It was around the same. They also mm-hmm. opened in 2015. They were on our best new uh, restaurants list in 2015, number one. And, you know, uh, Mike Randolph garnered a Best Chef Midwest semifinalist nomination Mm -hmm. from the James Beard Awards. And they had a really distinct point of view. Um, To me, I think in their statement, they said, you know, we tried to do something really different, encouraged people to, you know, go to their favorite restaurants and go often because that's what Mm -hmm. keeps them in business. Um, But I think in that case, just in my opinion, and we we talk about this sometimes, like sometimes the restaurant doesn't always seem exactly right for the neighborhood that they're in. And I thought, you know, I mean, it, again, I don't want to speculate, but I felt like, you know, they the neighborhood and people weren't going to that restaurant as often as they 
should have to sustain it. And it, that's uh, down at the sort of the edge of the loop and the edge of the loop that had been hard hit. I feel like there's part of the loop, the, the eastern part of the loop, mm-hmm. seems to be doing mm-hmm. pretty well down by the pageant. And on the western end of the loop, there's just been a lot of closings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was definitely one of the one of the only finer dining concepts in a strip of largely fast casual kind of concepts that really catered to the WashU student crowd. Um, I think another reason, and they did state this when they posted on Facebook that they were closing. They said, with that said, the restaurant seat is changing um, and it's important to frequent the restaurants that you love. And this is something that I, I, I moderate our Facebook page. And so I see all the comments when they come in. And a lot of the comments on closings are, oh, no, we never got to go back after that one time. Or, oh, no, we never, you know, we never made it. And I, you got to dine out at places if you want them to succeed. You can't go once a year. And I think that's that's a big thing is is people lament these places closing that they've only been to once in two years. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough to sustain a business. And so I, I, I really think that's that's a big reason or a big thing that I, I wish people would know is you've got to go out and support these places if you really want them to succeed. At the same time, the, the industry really is changing. One of our producers found an article in The Atlantic, um, and it says, in 2020, more than half of restaurant spending is projected to be off-premise. That's not inside a restaurant. According to the investment group Cowan & Company, off-premise spending will account for as much as 80% of the industry's growth in the next five years. That's people picking up takeout. And so for a place mm-hmm. like Publico or a place like Reed's that's a little fancier, um, that's probably not um, their business model. We were just talking about yeah, this. Yeah, well, we, uh, Danny Meyer, who's a famous restaurateur, St. Louis native, Shake Shack is like his big business. Um, we, we He came to a panel at WashU to, dis- to discuss restaurants and business and leadership. And he mentioned, you know, you can't change the location or the underlying economics of a business, but you can change everything else, concept, menu, redesign. When we see that, we mm-hmm. see red flags. But he also said, like, sometimes the environment changes where, like, Grubhub and Uber Eats comes up and your your clientele is suddenly deciding between convenience or experience. And a lot of times in this day and age, people are choosing convenience. And you know, a place like Brazzi's that opened 26 years ago wasn't anticipating this type of economy mm-hmm. when they first opened. And unless you're quickly able to adapt to that, it can really affect your bottom line. You mentioned Brazzi's. That's another of this year's closings that I think was surprising because they had been there for so long. But I want to make sure we get to two places where, yes, they've closed, but there is some good news. One of them is Goody Goody Diner. Tell us what's the state of what's happening. What closed them and why might they be back? Well, they um, had been open for 70 years. They had changed ownership and a really terrible like electric fire broke out mm-hmm. and nobody got hurt. But I think they they announced that they were going to temporarily close and that was in April. Um, when we called today, they still are on their machine saying that they're temporarily closed. Oh. So we don't really know what the update is. But as far as I can tell, like they're... I mean, the hope is that they are planning to, mm-hmm. but there's no real update. Okay. Yeah, their social media said the same thing when I checked it, too, that they, they are still planning to reopen, but there's no word yet on when that will be. I mean, that's a question of insurance. Like, how does right. it, is it the right amount? I don't know. You never know. And, I mean, we love that diner, though. Yeah, it's people really place. want that to come back. Yeah. 70, 70 years. years. Yeah. I mean, but, that's, here we were saying four years is a long time. 70 years. You have yeah, some staying power at that point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, here, this kind of leads into some other new this month, Winslow's Home. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people were sad when this closed, but this was not a closure that was, hey, we're done. This was an, yeah, this was a really interesting um, 
closure slash reopening. So Winslow's table or one, excuse me, Winslow's home was the longtime restaurant um, in U City that closed but was purchased by Michael and Tara Galena, who own uh, Vicia in the Central West End. Very nationally acclaimed, locally acclaimed, one of our best new restaurants from two years ago, the best new restaurant from two years ago. Um, And they, so they purchased that space and that concept and reopened it with sort of their twist on it as Winslow's Table. So it literally just opened last week. It's going to be breakfast and lunch. um, And they're really sort of trying to honor the spirit of the old restaurant, but with their take on it. So you can get a lot of the the sort of vegetable forward dishes that they're known for, particularly on their lunch menu at Vicia. Um, things like salads and sandwiches and tartines. Um, but they're also doing um, thing, like a brisket sandwich, which I know Winslow's was very much known for their brisket sandwich. They're doing their version of it. They're also offering breakfast all day from for breakfast and lunch. Um, and then I, they are eventually planning to add dinner service. So it's it's they, they've changed from the counter service to table service. Hmm. That's um, interesting. They're kind of going against the direction. Right. And, and, and I think they're just sort of trying a different trying a different concept and, and seeing how it works. But I, I do like that they're sort of honoring the spirit of that restaurant and working with the farm that Winslow's had. They're still working with that farm um, to really just kind of put their put their spin on a different iteration of that restaurant because it was definitely a neighborhood favorite. That was another one where I watched the comments and half of them were, were super excited and the other half were, no, my favorite. They, it's, it was an interesting um Conversation. And do you think the people who liked the old vibe, do you think they're going to be happy with the new vibe? I hope so. I think the biggest, I think what a lot of people were, were who liked that space liked the, the retail aspect of it and the general store aspect, and that is and no longer gone. there. They do have some grab-and-go options, um, but it's specifically food. It's not necessarily... Um, like the the books and the kitchen items and things like that. Um, that that is. But if anybody away. was going to take over that space, the Galinas are going to do such a great job there. Yeah, that put, neighborhood yeah. should not be complaining. Yeah, they're right. very have lucky. Have a great experience. Right, and it, I mean, and if you're going, if you were going there for the food, I certainly don't. I don't think you're going to be disappointed in any <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, seems like that's the one exactly. silver lining of, exactly. of these sad closures. And most people go to restaurants for the food, so I'm not too worried there. But like we said, like you know, a lot of these closures, like we talked about, Publico, they're getting ready to open up their new restaurant originally. Jay's Tex-Mex Barbecue in U City, um, Hero Asian Kitchen closed, and he ended up opening a car. So, you know, there are bright spots when they close. New projects happen. Yeah, new projects will happen, are going to happen, and you'll be back next month to talk about all those. Yes, we will. uh, Catherine Claney and Mira Nagarajan of Sauce Magazine, thank you so much for joining us today. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.